Welcome into another edition of The Front Office. I'm Tony Lombardi, and I'll be joined soon by Brian McFarlane from Russell Street Report. The Front Office is brought to you by Royal Farms. Start each morning with a hot, fresh cup of Royal Farms coffee. It's made one cup at a time from the finest coffee beans in the world. That's Royal Farms, affectionately referred to as Rofo. Brian, how are you? Good, Tony. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. So here we are. We're in that part of the season part of the year where you shine my brother and this is a busy time for you because there's a lot of things that the Ravens are going to have to do to prepare for the the new league year which is what two weeks from today March 16th 16th at four o'clock yes and the uh the um legal tampering period begins that Monday I believe it is I think it's star maybe that Sunday night before but um not that that's not happening right now at the combine already but um, so, you know, obviously we hear about a lot of contracts before, uh, that four o'clock on, on that one on Wednesday, the 16th, but, um, but that's when everything starts becoming official. It's funny that they have that legal tampering time frame now. And whenever I hear that, that verbiage, I think back to, uh, Maki Kimoyatu when he signed, I think he signed with the Panthers when he left the Ravens, Yeah, signed a big deal. At like twelve oh one a.m., yeah, <laughs> and it's like everybody in the world knows they've been talking when they weren't supposed to be talking because nobody does a deal like that in one minute. Yeah, yeah, that was back when free agency started at you know twelve oh one oh twelve zero zero oh one, and yeah, and his deal was was that quick. And of course, there was always the stories um, they did it properly, but when Rex Ryan was in Bart Scott's driveway at midnight. Um, trying to get him to go to the Jets, which he ended up doing. But uh, at least that one wasn't done immediately. <laughs> yeah, I remember also, uh, Bart, when I did that show with him back in 2007 down at Del Rose when they had the facility in Canton, they talked about or he talked about how he went to Cleveland the year prior to signing another uh, a, a second contract with the Ravens. And he said, oh, I really was never interested in the Browns. I just went there for a free steak dinner. <laughs> right. Isn't that the one where Ozzy called and Wally was in the uh, Browns facility and, and made him an offer, uh, uh, bumped his offer slightly, and that was enough to get Bart to say goodbye. So can you imagine him? Well, I'd, I'd, I'd be curious if he walked into the Browns and said, sorry, I'm going back. Because he, he might even say he took the call in the bathroom. And now Bart's an embellisher, so who knows exactly um, you know, how much of this is, is really true. But he definitely was in Cleveland. I wonder if he said, well, I just got to think about it. And then, you know, had his agent call him a couple hours later and say he's done or if he told him what as he was walking out of the building. <laughs> That's the great stories. I'm sure there's tons of those that go around the league. But and all new ones are about to start. As we said, March 16th is the new league year. A lot of agent talk going on right now where teams have the opportunity to sign their free agents. But I think that, you know, those seems like deadlines, Brian, always trigger action. And that this year is probably going to be no different. Well, yeah, unless it's Major League Baseball, that's a little different. Well, but usually, usually, but but CBAs always seem to have several deadlines before they finally get around to it. That's happened in the NFL for sure, but it's never come to them missing games. So there's there's the difference. So, yeah, so it's time for uh, you know time to start talking contracts. Uh, the Ravens signed or re-signed uh, uh, Tony Jefferson this week. That seemed a little bit like a foregone conclusion. 
it looks like he'll slide into that uh, co-cap role where from Levine retiring. So, cause he was very good on special teams in his uh, couple games at the end of the year. And certainly, uh, made some made that one big tackle in the one game up there they unfortunately ended up still losing but the Rams game um but he looked he looked pretty good out there looked very healthy so they get him back for a veteran minimum deal um really only changed their salary cap about two hundred thousand dollars so uh good deal all around yeah that that is a good deal and I've always had this theory Brian about players that join teams late in the year I call it the fresh legs theory and I think it makes them look faster, relatively speaking, than they are. And what I mean by that, let's say a running back enters a team's or joins a team's roster, and he looks a lot faster than he did in previous years. And I always said that's because the other guys, no one's injury free in the NFL by the you know the when December rolls around. There's always somebody. Everybody's nicked up in some way, shape, or form, and they're probably not as fast as they were back in September. It's just the wear and tear of a season. But I think in the case of Jefferson, it was more than just that. He just looked the preparedness that he had. And we saw inklings of that this week when he was talking about how much he's dived into film study now. And he just seemed to be in that short span. How many games did he play? Like three or four? I was four. Yeah, I think it was four. So he played four games and he seemed to make more impactful plays in those four games than he did the rest of the time he was with the Ravens. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, he, and there's, and there's a leadership quality to him, which, you know, I think if, especially if they get, you know, younger in the secondary or certainly, uh, or just on defense in general, I think that's good to have him, you know, have that kind of guy around. He's obviously always, you know, he's always trying to talk other players into coming here. He's a, he's a great recruiter. Um, so yeah, it just seemed, it, you know, he just, while he struggled at times with the Ravens in his first stint, he just seemed like a Raven kind of guy, you know, um, and, uh, you know, it, whether it's sentimental or not, it's, it's certainly a nice feeling to have him back. Yeah, it is. And I agree with you. He does feel like one of those Ravens and, and a guy that takes over that big role. That's uh, the void that's left by co-captain Anthony Levine. He's just a guy who can absorb that role. And, and I, I think it's important for the Ravens to have leaders. And Tony is certainly one of them. And you mentioned his recruiting efforts. He was even recruiting for the Ravens when he wasn't a Raven. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It seems like he, uh, you know, he, and he's kind of bounced around and then obviously had a second injury. Um, but it looks, you know, certainly looks like he's, he's beyond that now. So, um, but yeah, he just seems like is another, I mean, there are very few guys that seem to leave here and, uh, don't look back fondly, even, even guys who get cut, you know, they, they seem to still look back fondly, fondly and consider Baltimore, uh, their home. And I also think, you know, Jefferson uh, as a special team role um, will be very nice. Plus, he gives a little more. He's going to give him a little more on defense than Levine did. And he's younger. So I think it's a nice, uh, nice segue for that, that role. I agree. I agree. So the the approach that Ozzy always used to take as the general manager, and I know that Eric has embraced this as well. But the idea behind free agency is to get to a point through free agency when you could approach the draft not having needs, not having needs to fill and being able just to take the best player available regardless of position because free agency allowed you to fill those needs. The only problem this year, if Eric's going to take that approach, is they have a limited amount of cap space to make those things kind of happen, and they also have a lot of needs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think this is one – it's kind of strange, you you know, this – 
this time, well, not this time last year, but if you think, you know, the beginning of the 2000 season and the beginning of the 21 season, just last year, they were considered to be have, have one of the most talented rosters in the league and certainly injuries, uh, you know, with Stanley's, uh, you know, questions about his future and, and, you know, other players coming off of injury, you know, I, I mean, if everybody comes back healthy, you know, they, they jump right back up into that upper echelon, but, um, but some guys got older, the defensive line clearly got older and the offensive line clearly needs help. So it is, it is kind of funny what, you know, what, 10 months, you know, not even that eight months, what a difference it makes. It does make a big difference. And you look at some of the injuries and, you know, another big injury. Let's just talk about the trenches right now, because I think most people would say that the Ravens' biggest needs are in the trenches. But they've, in order for them to address needs via free agency, Brian, they've got, as of today, how much in – let's talk about cap space and effective cap space. How much do they have in cap space as of today? Sure. So right now, without any moves – um, being made, obviously, any big moves being made, and after Je- including Jefferson, they're about it. They're about they're nine and a half million in cap space. Um, they still have some business to do before uh, next two weeks, as far as tendering their exclusive rights free agents. Who, I mean, they're the cheap labor. But they're also guys that probably won't make some who won't make the team, but uh, they're guys that don't have guaranteed contracts. Um, so they have eight of those to tender. And they have two restricted free agents to tender. Uh, one, um, Otero Laka, you know, given his injury history, they're not, they're not going to tender him as a, as a restricted free agent for sure. And then they have Chris, Chris Westry, which is going to be an interesting decision. The lowest RFA tender is uh, 2.433 mil. Um, and that, that's an interesting decision there, you know, um, they liked him a lot. He, he struggled. He's played well at times. He struggled at times. Um, and they, you know, they right now have a, a, a lack of certainly healthy, <laughs> healthy depth in the secondary and probably a lack of depth in general now, given some of the free agents, um, you know, with, um, uh, uh, with Averett being a free agent and we'll, we'll I'm sure we're going to talk about Tavon Young in a few minutes. Um, so, you know, there's, there's some real question marks there. So, uh, you know, that, I would say that 2.433 is a little high, but it might be something that they have to go to, or they try to work out a deal for a lesser amount. And, you know, but I think one way or another, that, that decision's going whichever way it goes, or they, or they don't even tender them all and let them walk. So I guess that's three options, you know, that, that will be decided over the next uh, two weeks. If they do tender them at that amount, um, that would drop them down to a little over 7 million. And again, that's just their starting position, so to speak. Um, then obviously re-signings and, and cuts come from there. Uh, but there's also, when I talk about effective cap space, uh, there was an article two weeks ago on the site about that. There are other, um, other expenses they have in the future that they have to be mindful of. Uh, you have obviously your draft picks. They have 10 of them this year. They have a much larger draft pool than they've had in the past because they're picking higher in just about every round. Obviously, they're used to picking in the you know mid to low twenties, and now they're at fourteen. Um, so that makes a big difference. Um, and then they have to you know they have to set uh, money aside for their practice squad, uh, their signings down the road. I mean, that's three point three million all by itself. You know, you think about the practice squad being cheap, but when you add fourteen of them together, that's that's not cheap anymore. 
the roster itself uh, for the cap purposes we're under the rule of 51 now you have to add two players just to get to 53 that's a, that's over a million dollars right there too and then you have to as we learned very very uh, well unfortunately or not so well i guess maybe is uh that you know injuries happen and you have to have an injury reserve they blew through any every, every injury reserve they had last year any reasonable expectation or even being overly cautious and having extra money they would have blown they blew through that last year so so those kinds of expenses i mean when you talk about those expenses you're looking at close to 16 million right there you know so even once you start creating cap space you have to be mindful of those things and unfortunately th- these days with the the newer CBA and, you know, everybody's salaries going up and all the minimums going up, it's, you know, it takes a big chunk out. So, you know, if you look at that, then, you know, then they're eight and a half a million dollars in the hole of what they can spend, you know, so that's where you have to start looking at releases, restructures, uh, extensions, and try to make, you know, try to figure out where you can, the pieces of the puzzle, you know, where you can make enough, as Eric said, he said, they'll have, they'll have money and they have ways to make it. But it's, you know, picking and choosing and working things out um, to create enough space to, to make these things work. Now, in creating that kind of space, it gets back to the original point that I made about being in a position to fill needs with free agency. That's going to be a really difficult thing for Eric to do, given all the things you just described, them being eight and a half million in the hole. But let's talk about how ways we can get to the the plus side of that and, and create some space. And let's start with the easiest one, Brian. Alejandro Villanueva, Eric DaCosta, during his presser today, let it be known that he has had no contact with Alejandro. Alejandro, during the last game of the season last year, he was seen out on the field, emotional, pretty much just absorbing everything that a player who played his last game would do. And it seems to me that's a foregone conclusion. Yeah, definitely. Uh, whether, whether whether it's by his choice or the Ravens' choice, uh, certainly, uh, I think he gets released. Uh, it's a nice chunk of change too. That's six million in cap savings, um, so that's that's a good place to find it. Uh, there will be an offset under the rule of fifty-one, um, so it's not the full six, but um, you know, but that's one place to find it, and you know, we'll, we'll kind of factor that in as we go through. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I you know, the guy battled hard. But I mean, it's you hate to say it this way, but I mean, it looked like the game had passed him by um, and he was injured a lot, too. So but, you know, he's, he's definitely not coming back at that number for sure. And it doesn't sound like if they haven't had any conversations with him, it sounds like he's, you know, and he, he may he may well retire as well, obviously. So the offset with the rule of 51 probably makes that about a five million dollar savings. A little over about five point two, five point three uh, at this point. Um, yeah. But ultimately, it all ultimately it ends up being six down the road because um, the roll of when the roll of fifty one ends, every every dollar in and every dollar out uh, makes a difference. So, right, okay. Another one on the list that seems on the surface like an easy one is Miles Boykin, whose release or trade would trigger a two point five four million dollar cap savings. But Brian, we've seen in the past guys maybe in similar situations. The Ravens might have some feeling about the player. Maybe they want to keep him around. He's a special teams guy and, and they like him in the running game, although he didn't see many snaps as a receiver this year, but let's say they want to keep him. There's, there might be a way of saving some cap space, but at the same time, maybe extending him for a taking a a pay cut basically. 
Yeah, I mean, I think with him, since it's the last year of his deal, it would be a pay cut. Um, you know, I, the, the, the reason he's on the list is at this point, you know, obviously at the finish of the season, he is, unfortunately, he's a different athletic profile than their other receivers. Um, so you'd really like him to, to have progressed, but, um, you know, with, with that height he's got. Um, but, you know, he if I, at 2.54 million is really hard when you're talking about a gunner and you're talking about your, uh, what is he, the sixth or seventh wide receiver? And maybe, maybe fifth, if you put him ahead of Wallace, um, you know, um, so that, that just seems, I mean, all the other guys, uh, other than Brown, all the other guys are going to be made, would be making less than that. So um, I, I just think it's, I just, and again, when you need cap space, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm sure they'd rather have him around. If he'll take a pay cut, I don't know if anybody, if he goes at, if he gets released, is anybody on the market can get going to give him more than the minimum? Probably not. You know, the minimum for him will be just uh, uh, basically just under a million dollars. So, you know, I mean, they could always say, we'll give you a million and a half. You know, that's 500 more you're going to get anywhere else and we'll keep you around. And if you're not amongst the top 53 come, um, you know, come the fall, then we'll cut you. But um, he may he may he may welcome a release and, you know, look for greener pastures for him, so to speak, for him, since, like I said, at best, he's the fifth, probably the fifth wide receiver on this team right now. I'm going to put that down as he's getting let go. I'm okay. Sure. That's that's my inclination to or trade it right if somebody wants to. Yeah, two point five four million dollars there. So before we get into some of these other guys, Brian, I, I want to talk about Lamar Jackson first. And Eric DaCosta, during the last two times he's met with the media, has been asked a question about Lamar Jackson. There's been a lot of play on that topic on a national basis, whether it's ESPN or NFL Network or some of these podcasts. And they're all talking about how Lamar should not step foot on the field until he gets a new deal done, given his style of play, given his injuries last year, and, and given his importance to the team and relative market value. But all that being said, the vibe, if you're re reading the tea leaves from Eric, they seem motivated to getting a deal done where Lamar seems to want to let this season play out. Yeah, I mean, and I don't think the Costa would be, you know, playing the PR game. I mean, if you, if there's an agent there on the other side, you can play the PR game because the agent can say, look, this is just the PR game. But when you don't have an agent there, I don't know that you want to. I mean, it's, it's the, you know, the dynamic of, uh, of negotiations directly with your player is difficult. So I, you know, my inclination is that's not. Uh, you know, that's not what's happening here. He's not playing the PR game. He's being honest about it, you know? So, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I would think the Ravens would want to get this done. I mean, for all kinds of reasons, just to have it done. Um, but, you know, extending Lamar would probably create uh, around 10 million in cap space. And there's, there's one primo player you can easily get on, you know, with that $10 million on it, on his first year cap number. I mean, you might be able to get two, you know, so, um, you know, so that's definitely, I mean, I think they would like to get it done. Um, clearly the numbers don't, I mean, may, I, I assume the numbers don't work for Lamar. I can't imagine, as you said, I mean, the national guys, a lot of them are, are, are I mean, you, there's different ways to read what some of them are saying. Some of them are saying, yeah, I would never show up. They got to give me a contract. Um, 
Others are saying it as, you know, I wouldn't risk if I'm Lamar, I wouldn't risk it. I want a contract done. Not that he's blaming the team, but just as the, from the player's perspective, I want to make sure my future is secure before I get back out there. So, um, I mean, there's different ways, you know, I don't think everybody out there quote unquote blaming the Ravens, although certainly some seem to be, um, but others are, are saying are couching it a little differently of, I wouldn't be taking that risk if I was him. So, you know, I would have thought it would have been done, um, but it certainly doesn't seem like it's getting anywhere close to it. And unfortunately for the Ravens, you know, and unfortunately for Lamar, because it's going to mean, you know, there's some holes that they may not be able to, you know, adequately fill um, without that, without that cap space that an extension would bring. I know for a fact that Eric's been down to see him in Florida, eyeball to eyeball. And he's obviously trying. He doesn't do that unless he wants to get something done. And there's just a real difficult challenge for the Ravens to get something this big, you know, putting him into that $40 million club along with Mahomes and Allen and Prescott. And I guess Deshaun Watson was knocking on the door of that too, but not quite there. So to have a deal that big and not have that agent in there, that's gotta be a real challenge for the Ravens. Oh, absolutely. And I, I, to be perfectly honest with you too, the agent wants a deal done. (laughs) If there's an agent, he wants it done. I mean, he wants his commission. I mean, you know, on a deal like that, you know, um, so there's, you know, and that's where, that's where the agent is saying, look, do you want to risk, you know, I mean, 23 million is cap number this year and that's all cash. I mean, that's nothing to sneeze about, but he's looking at a bonus of 40 million probably this year. And then, you know, salaries, you know, a low salary this year, but next year his salary could be back into that you know, into that 23 million range. So, uh, you know, why risk that? And let's face it, that, you know, the Ravens have, they do have leverage, you know, the 23 million, you, again, you'd rather have that be a little lower this year, but, you know, they have the franchise tag the next year, whether they use the exclusive or non-exclusive, but the non-exclusive, um, which, which comes with the two first round picks and, and teams can make offers. Um, you know, usually with quarterbacks that that should be in the 32 million range, give or take uh, the, the exclusive where there's no negotiations allowed. That's going to be closer to 40, may even be at 40. Um, so but, you know, in this case, since if not, if nothing's moving, you know, maybe they take the approach of, you know, quarterbacks usually get the non-exclusive. We don't want him talking to anybody. But, you know, maybe the Ravens next year with a better cap perspective, uh, you know, with more money and everybody's going to have more money, obviously. But, you know, maybe they take the approach. Well, you know, since we're not getting anywhere, if somebody else wants to negotiate a deal for, you know, with them for us, then we'll, you know, we'll 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 match it if it's if it's in, you know, if it's in reasonable, reasonable terms for us. And if not, we get two first round picks. And, you know, you don't you know, that's you don't want that to happen. But if they can't, if they if there's no movement between now and then, that wouldn't necessarily surprise me. Um, but then, you know, and if you know if, if he ends up playing on the franchise tag next year, they have they have another one the next year. So he's not going anywhere for three years, and that's where another where, where an agent comes in. Look, you're not going anywhere for three years, so get it done, and you know, and get paid, <laughs> and get and get that security of a hundred million guaranteed and forty million in your pocket tomorrow. You know, so I, I mean, and that's, yeah, I mean, it, it, that's, you know, and then, you know, when they have to say, well, if he's saying I want Mahomes money and they're going to turn to him and say, you're not as good as Mahomes. 
you got the agent to, you know, there's a buffer when things like that happen and they don't have that. So, uh, you know, and uh, it does seem like DaCosta and, and Lamar have a good relationship, but that can't be a fun dynamic. No, it can't be. And it kind of reminds me, not quite to the extreme of this, but you know how like when baseball players go into arbitration, they sit there and listen to the bad things that they're all about. And so the, the team can get their, their payday uh, smaller while the agent's there you know, supporting the player and proclaiming why he's so great. And they just sometimes meet in the middle, but this is a tough situation. So we'll see how it works out, but I'm going to put it down, Brian, as a set aside right now for, as a $10 million savings, if they do get a market value deal done for Lamar Jackson. Okay. So before we go any further, I did want to remind everyone that the front office is made possible by our friends at Royal Farms, home to the world's most famous chicken and chicken sandwiches. So let's get into some of these players where they can either cut or restructure. And let's start with Tavon Young. Now I got to tell you, Brian, that Tavon Young was one of my favorite players for a while. I just thought pound for pound, he's one of the better tacklers on the team. He's, he's a pretty good blitzer. He sacked the quarterback, I think a couple of times, each in the last two healthy seasons he's had. And just as a guy, always seems to be around the ball, but doesn't really make those plays that he doesn't create turnovers. And I, I know that's a, a tall task to ask for a slot corner at times, but looking at Tavon young and looking at his salary coming up in 2022, do you think what's on the table today represents market value for what he's done? No. And that's, that's probably why he's on the list, uh, unfortunately. And, and, and I certainly agree with you in, in all that you said, as far as, uh, you know, I root for Tavon, you know, and he's had, I mean, you know, he's had some terrible, um, you know, injury history and, and fortunate, unfortunately for him, but, but that's, you know, those are things the team has to consider. And when you look at uh, this is the final year of his deal um, and he's going to make almost 6 million in cash, 5.845. That's the amount uh, that they would save if he's released. Um, you don't, you don't, you don't release 10 players to get five, five or $6 million. You want to release one guy to get that. Um, and given his injury history, you know, are they willing to bet, you know, not, not only that close to 6 million in cap space, but are they, you know, it, it's a business, are they willing to, you know, invest 6 million, uh, close to 6 million in, uh, dollars, you know, cash and see, we, we got to, you know, teams consider cash more than fans do. Um, but it is a business and, you know, are they willing to, you know, um, put the risk that given his injury history and even, you know, he finished this past year, except for the last half of the last game, you know, um, so he, he didn't really finish the season healthy. Um, and I know they're all banged up and he played hurt for, you know, and, but he did miss time again, uh, not, not as substantial as in the past. So, I mean, you know, there's the question of, can they talk to him? Nobody's going to pay him six million in cash this year. You know, if he go if he goes on the market, he's I don't see anybody play, you know him getting six million or six million guaranteed or you know, anything like that. So he's a guy they could go to and say, look, we would you know we either take a pay cut. We don't want you know we want to see you get through this year healthy, and then we'll you know we'll talk about a new deal next year, and we just want a straight pay cut that'll reduce that cap number. Or perhaps it's a, you know, it's a couple year extension, add a year or two on to the back end, um, you know, spread some of this money out he's going to get now. You could get, you know, you could make it worth his while 
you, we can make, you know, we can allow you to earn 6 million this year or maybe a little less. Um, but we're going to, we're going to structure it so that, it, you know, it, we can spread it out over a couple of years to lessen your cap number. And, you know, if you're healthy, then you've got another year here. If not, you know, we can cut you next year with, you know, relatively little, you know, um, dead money or relatively less pain. So, I mean, certainly I think he's an option. He's certainly a guy they love. They speak, they always speak highly of him. Um, you know, he's, 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 every time he gets hurt, he works his way back. Um, so, um, you know, but it's a, it's really a question of, you know, how much they were, are willing to bank on him staying healthy. The other thing too, is that he's, he's a guy, well, he's playing a position that seems to be pretty deep in the 2022 NFL draft. Yeah. So, so, yeah. And they clearly need to get younger there. Um, so uh, and Humphrey excelled when, when Tavon was out two seasons ago um, and three seasons ago, you know, Humphrey, um, Humphrey excelled in the slot. Um, so if, if, you know, we'll get to Peters in a second, but if they're bringing Peters back and, you know, they draft a uh, corner in the second or third round, um, you know, then maybe Tavon is, you know, I mean, you're gonna need more than three corners, but, and, you know, and maybe they're gonna probably have to draft more than one corner, but, um, you know, and the other thing is with that 6 million in, Ta on, in Tavon's column right now, they could sign a pretty reasonable veteran for, for a, a $6 million cap number I mean, less than a $6 million cap number and save some cap space and maybe get a more reliable, at least from health perspective guy in here. So I, I, you know, I, I th there's a chance they, they might extend him or, or restructure him in some way to keep him around. But I think that close to $6 million in cap savings is really hard to overlook um, and the risk of his injury. And, you know, as, you know, and then having to, you know, burn that, um, you know, it, it be, that space being useless because he's hurting on IR again. I think that's something they have to look really strongly at. So if you were a betting man, Brian, is Tavon Young – He's obviously not going to be playing under those terms. So if if you were a betting man, would you say that the Ravens lower his cap number by an extension or just get rid of him altogether? Um, I'll do percentages. I'd say it's 60%, 65% he's released, 35% he's back under some sort of restructured deal, 0% he's back under the present contract. Okay, so I'm putting him down for $5.85 million in savings, and uh, we'll, we'll have good, fond memories of Tavon Young and how yeah. he got the most out of it. It was a, kind of a slight build during yeah. his days yeah. as a Raven. Staying and he, yeah, he could, real quick, he could be a guy um, like they did with LJ Fort last year where they released him, you know, because they couldn't come to a, a restructured deal, and he hit the market, and then, they, you know, and then if he doesn't get the number he wants or, you know, the Ravens look more – um, you know, um, appealing to him after he's heard other options, you know, they could always resign him in May or June or, you know, if, if things don't work out. So I, I, that's another reason I think, you know, it's probably, look, we're willing to go here. We understand you, you know, you need to test the market. So we're going to release you, you test the market. If you get better, you know, awesome. That's great for you. If not, you know, we'll be here at this number. And see, those are the kinds of conversations that, a GM will have with an agent because the agent understands the marketplace and right. why it is important to have an agent to help a, a, his client understand the ebbs and flows of, of moves like this. So again, staying with that position, let's go to Marlon Humphrey. And I think you're pretty adamant that the Ravens will restructure him 
and that represents a $7.17 million savings through the restructure. Yeah, I think there's two easy restructures on the list. One's lower. I probably should move that up higher. Kevin Zeitler's an easy one, too. Um, so between the two of them, uh, you're, you're looking at uh, $9.5 million in, um, in restructured money. Um, Humphrey's young enough. He's got plenty more years on his deal. That spreads out that that's $7 million over the next uh, four seasons. So, um, you know, so that that's it's not a big hit on his cap numbers in the future. And of course, they did it last year. I mean, they'd rather not do it. But, you know, the the, the cap at, at 208 um, sounds great consider, considering it's at 182 last year. But it still is, you know, 22 million under where we probably would have guessed it would have been without the pandemic. So a lot of these deals, uh, a lot of these moves with all teams are reflective of some things they'd rather not do, but you got to do what you got to do to, you know, to stay competitive. So, and Zeitler, you know, that, that 2.4 would be 1.2 added to his cap or 2.4 added to his cap number next year. Um, and, and which isn't, you know, you'd, you'd rather not do it, but I think it's an easy one. So, um, you know, like I said, that's 9.5 in cap space right there. Um, I'll, I'll hit one other restructure guy. That's Ronnie Stanley. That's a nice chunk of change as well. Uh, 6.4. I'm going to say that's not going to happen given his injury. Um, the questions about his recovery until he proves he's healthy. I, I don't see that as a wise idea because that would be adding 6.4 million onto his future cap. And if he doesn't make it there, then that's money you're, um, you know, you're eating on your cap is dead money. So while I would like that to happen um, because it's a nice chunk of change, if he was perfectly healthy, I think, you know, in the third year of his six year deal, you'd be happy. You'd be OK doing that from a cap perspective. But in this case, I, I don't see that happening. I would agree with you there. I think Ronnie Stanley is an interesting individual from the perspective of I, I don't I think his vision from what I can read in the tea leaves, his vision of the world is bigger than just football. I don't think he's one of these guys that lives and breathes play football. And so I, I think his health matters to him. And I think he's probably a little less inclined to really fight through an injury and the pain that goes along with the rehabilitation of that. than let's say a guy like Tyus Bowser, who's going through his Achilles injury right now. So I, I just don't think he's, he's built that way. And to risk future cap space on a guy that you're not sure of, it might not even play in 2023. You know, that's just something I wouldn't do either. So I'm going to I'm going to agree with you there and put him to the side right now, unless the Ravens come back and say, we're really confident that he's fully recovered. Ronnie loves football and we're going to do this. I don't think there's a reason to do it. Yeah, I just think it's too risky. Um, even, you know, even if he loves football, I would say it was still, you know, you know, wh whichever direction that, it, you know, that goes, I, I think it's too risky, given that, you know, the reports of the severity of the injury and he had to have a second surgery you know, back-to-back -back surgeries. I just think that's, uh, that's too risky to, and that's a big chunk of change. You're for an already high cap number uh, or already, I should rephrase that already uh, sizable amount of dead money that you would have to deal with. I, I don't think you want to do that. Right. Okay. So Marcus Peters, Eric DaCosta talked about him today briefly in his press conference at, in Indianapolis at the combine. And, and that's the second straight time when asked about Peters that 
you made the assumption based upon Eric's answer that Peters is coming back. Do you think he comes back just for the remainder of his deal, which is just one year left? Or do you think that the Ravens will extend him? Um, I would be given how um, glowingly they've talked about him and certainly how glowingly his, his teammates talk about him. Um, I think, you know, I, if he if last year didn't happen and you know he played of course if he played really well it'd be hard to get rid of him obviously but uh, obviously that you know the the lack of a playmaker and he is a true playmaker is one of the best in the games in the game so you know uh, that that um the lack of a playmaker if they were even considering releasing him um he they did a short-term deal with him they did not um max restructure him last spring which uh, I thought stood out and they didn't, even when they were suffering for cap space during the season, they didn't really, they didn't make any moves on that either. So that, you know, led me to believe they didn't want to add any, as we just kind of talk about with Stanley, they weren't going to add any dead money or add, add more dead money onto the back end of his deal if they were going to release him this year. But uh, obviously in, in everything they've said and, and how much they missed him, I think, I don't think there's any question he's going to be here. Now they've said they love guys before, and then they said, well, it didn't work out. You know, it, they said it didn't work out. I think that's kind of the way Bolden played out as well. You know, we're, you know, we want it back. Um, and they didn't really say, uh, but, <laughs> you know, um, so, I mean, you never, you never say never, but I, I don't think he plays the 10 million number. I think they would try to extend him in some way um, to reduce that number, a, a nice extension. Uh, could bring that, uh, you know, add three years on to that. So that's a four-year deal, um, you know, in total. Uh, you could reduce that uh, $10 million down to about uh, – you could save about $5 million, about down, down to about 5.5, another nice chunk of change. You secure them for the future, um, you know, and then you've got a couple of rookies behind them and, you know, and, and maybe some, some others. So uh, – or maybe it's just a – maybe it's just a two-year extension – uh, as well the last time it was a three-year extension and he's still young he's only 28 i think or t- maybe 29 this coming season not yet he's not even 30 yet um so you know i, I think that probably uh helps everybody out helps the ravens for cap space gives him some security he can easily make that 10 million you can structure a deal so he gets his 10 million for this year maybe a little more um and then gets some security for the future as well moving on through the list brian Juwan James, interesting signing last year by Eric DaCosta. He's, he hasn't played football, I don't think, in two straight years because, he, because of injuries. Once he, he was knocked out with an injury in the 2020 season, then as he's rehabilitating, he hurts himself again, so he's out through the 2021 season. Hasn't played a lot of football, but the Ravens didn't spend a lot of money for him. When he does play, he's a pretty decent right tackle, but – I don't know. I'm looking at this and he represents a $3 million cap savings if released. But then I start to think, well, why did they go through the gyrations of even doing this with him, knowing that he probably wasn't going to play in 2021 anyway? Yeah. I mean, I, I think he's going to be here. The only reason I have him on the list. Um, and yes, I mean, if he's, if he's healthy and, and even if as the back, even if he's a backup swing tackle, a $3 million salary is, is, you know, is, is quite appropriate and actually cheap for that kind of um, that kind of role. So um, the only reason I have him on here would be if they, 
did, and they said they seemed to speak, you know, highly of him. Uh, but if for some reason they felt he did, he wasn't really into his rehab or, you know, wasn't pushing himself. And, you know, if there was some reason that they felt, it, you know, it, they just weren't happy with him, then obviously three million in cap savings, you know, was worthwhile and let, let's, you know, let's do it. So, um, but otherwise, um, you know, if they're, and, and, you know, even if he comes back and, you know, they, they don't have to make that decision granted until, you know, June or July after OTAs. He might not be a guy if, you know, if they can make that decision later because it's not a huge cap savings. Um, so I, I do I do think he'll be back um, again. You know, if they draft a bunch of tackles in the draft and he's not amongst the top 53, then they can always you know, they can always make that move later. Two more guys that you have on your list. And let's start with Ben Powers. Powers, if traded or released. $2.54 million savings. And I, I thought it was interesting that you had trade there because I couldn't help but think of a guy like Ben Bredesen, who the Ravens traded, got decent value for, what was he, a fifth-round pick in the mm-hmm. trade with the Giants. So I, I think that if they go into the draft and they get an interior offensive lineman, I think a trade of powers is, is kind of likely. Yeah, I, well, it depends. So um, he's in the last year of his deal where Bredesen was in the second. Bredesen was still on, is still very cheap. Um, the reason I have powers on this list, and it's the same thing with Boykin, is they're in that uh, proven performance escalator of the final year of their rookie deal. Um, it kind of replaces what used to be the restricted free agents. Um, rookie or draft picks um, don't become restricted free agents like they used to. It used to be they would be there were three year deals and then it'd be a restricted free agent in the fourth year. Now all rookie, all draft picks uh, deals are four-year deals. So they never get that restricted free agent option of the much higher uh, bump in salary. So to balance that out, this pr- proven performance escalator was added. So if you've played, uh, if you've gotten a certain amount of snaps over your first three years, then you get the bump up to the restricted free agent number. And that's what that uh, for these guys is that 2.54 million. So, while it's great in a way, if, if, if you're a guy that's, you know, secure on the 53, it's great. But when you're guys like these two and you're not, you know, you're questionable for the 53, it's not necessarily a good thing because it could, it could get you cut, <laughs> you know, uh, or traded. So, right. you know, so I'm not sure there would be this. I mean, Powers is actually more accomplished, so to speak, than Bredesen was, but he's not the bargain that Bredesen was. Um, and, and, you know, the, uh, the giants had got this past year and then two more years out of him. So, um, so the, you know, if he's traded you know, if they can get, I mean, if they can get a seventh for him, they may, they may well take it to, you know, for the cap relief and, you know, they get something for him as opposed to cutting him. If they can get to anything better, they'll probably, you certainly take that. So I don't think because he has starting experience and because at least and the draft is something, as you mentioned, this could be, I don't think he gets cut now in the next two weeks, but he's a guy after the draft that could get, uh, if they get an offer for trade, I think they would take that now. Um, But as far as a release goes, he's probably a guy that after the draft, if, you know, if they bring in one or, you know, one or two interior linemen, then yeah, I mean, I could see at that time him getting cut or, he may even make it all the way to the end. And if he's not amongst the top, you know, nine offensive linemen, you know, then he gets cut or gets traded at that time, like Bredesen, because Bredesen wasn't traded this early. He was traded at that, you know, roster cutdown when teams are a little, de- little more desperate, maybe. 
um, you know, well, we only get one year of them, but we really need a guard. So we'll, we'll take on that 2.5 million salary. So I don't think he's going now. So I don't think he really factors into what do they have to have spent now, but he could be part of that equation. If, you know, if their cap gets space is getting tight in in September and they need, you know, a little more money for their cushion, well, we'll go with the, you know, we'll go with the rookie as opposed to, you know, the guy making 2.5 million. Right. And that makes sense. And it allows them a little bit of wiggle room in season. And Eric made this point last week during his, or was it two weeks ago during his presser that there were opportunities for trades to be made during this 2021 season, but they didn't have the cap space to do it. And I, I couldn't help but to think of the trade they made to get Marcus Peters because they had a little bit of wiggle room. Sometimes teams want to unload a guy they know they're not going to keep, particularly teams that might not be on the track of winning. And maybe those kinds of opportunities presented themselves last year for Eric. And he couldn't take advantage of them. So there's another reason to keep that little, you know, rainy day fun set aside. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and they, they got Nagakwe last year, you know, and that, right. and that obviously didn't work out. Uh, but both of those guys, when they came on, I think, it was mid-season. I think they both, well, you know, they took on $5 million for, you know, the latter half of the season for both of those guys. So, you know, um, and, you know, I, I know fans are up in arms about the cap and, all, you know, all these different things and why they don't spend or they cheap and stuff like that. But but keep in mind that, you know, unfortunately, this these this year, this, this coming year and this past year were supposed to be, they were supposed to be in great cap shape. I mean, if you think about, the cap this past year should have been 215. It was 182 because of the pandemic. So, you know, they wouldn't have had to restructure deals. They would have had plenty of cap space to make the other moves. Uh, and they ended up, you know, this past year, they, they restructured other than Peters, they pretty much restructured down to the bone. Um, so, you know, they, they, and they ended up ended the season with 300,000 in cap space, 300,000, you know, not a million, not 5 million, but 300,000, you know, so, um, you know, with the exception using void years. And we talked about that in, our, uh, in the last episode, but, you know, they, they, they used up all of their space. And unfortunately they restructured Humphrey. They restructured a bunch of guys That's five or six guys. And that's eating into this year's cap space too. So now we're luckily up to 208. We took that big jump, but it's still 20 million under where they would be. So not only did they make, maybe that gives them more cap space to get Lamar done and have more flexibility, um, you know, but it, they, there were a lot of other things. Obviously, other teams would have had that much more cap space, too. Um, but, you know, it, it, they, they would have had a lot more flexibility last year and this year um, than, they, than they certainly have. I'm Tony Lombardi from Russell Street Report, and this is Brian McFarlane, our capologist at Russell Street Report. And we're brought to you by Royal Farms. Royal Farms are real fresh, real fast. Brian, so I'm going to set Ben Powers aside for now. He's not going to be a guy that's going to give them more spending money for free agency, but he might be a guy that helps them with a rainy day fund down the road. Right. Okay. All right. We've got what one person left on this list. And this guy is a, a player near and dear to the hearts of Ravens fans. He's been around for a long time. And I'd argue that Sam cook will one day deserve a spot in the Ravens ring of honor for the length of time and his excellence over the years. But He's also a guy that didn't play as well as we're accustomed to seeing Sam play in 2021. And his release would trigger a savings of $2.1 million. I have to think 
this is just me because I've even discussed this with you, but I have to think that sentimental value has, has value. And I think also that the operation is important to the Ravens, that his ability to hold, his ability to position the ball as a punter and his ability to make that operation somewhat flawless with Justin Tucker. You know, sometimes we've seen some errant snaps that's, that Sam Cook put down. Just imagine – a big game and there's an errant snap that the next holder can't handle like Sam cook can. And this $2.1 million of savings, of course you have to replace the guy too. I don't know that it's worth it. So I'm going to mark this down as a no for me. Yeah. I, I mean, I've, I've uh, hesitated to include him on these lists over the years. Um, I always, every year on Twitter, I get the question multiple times. What's the cap savings. We get rid of cook. Um, I think there've been articles on, on Russell street report about maybe it's time to remove from cook. Um, so, you know, I, I, I hesitate. I, I agree with you. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he's actually more likely they could tack an extra year or two on his deal. Um, I do agree. I, I felt more, um, I don't know, inclined or compelled to put him on the list this year, because as you mentioned, it was not one of his better years. Um, uh, but I, I also agree that the, his ability, his holding ability, his working with Tucker, um, you know, um, certainly is um, um, very important to them. And as um, as Jerry Rosberg said, he's the best holder in the history of the game. How, however you quantify that. But I mean, you know, Jerry's been around. He's been around a lot of, you know, a lot of special teams over the years in his, in his years in the NFL. So um, that's certainly high praise. So. Yeah, I would leave them on there. I think they can, um, I think they can create enough cap space that they don't necessarily need that. And they, you know, they they were willing to move on from Morgan Cox last year, but they did have Nick Moore on the roster on the practice squad all year, and, and Moore actually got into the COVID game. Um, I guess it was a Steeler game the year before. Um, there's there was not a punter on the practice squad all year. There's no heir apparent. I mean, unless they go out and draft a guy, um, I, I, I don't, I don't see Sam going anywhere. Yeah, well, if they draft a guy, there's an indication that Sam's on his last leg for sure. Yeah, let's, yeah. Let's recap with all these these moves we've talked about, our potential moves. So we are in agreement on these players being affected: Villanueva, Boykin, Tavon Young, Marlon Humphrey via an extension or restructure. I'm sorry. Ronnie Stanley, we're not going to touch. Kevin Zeitler, Marcus Peters, Juwan James, we're going to leave alone. Ben Powers, we're going to wait until later. Sam Cook, he stays with the team. When I add up all these numbers, $29 million of cap savings for the guys we're going to let go of. And if they restructure or if they do it, uh, an extension for Lamar, that could climb to $39 million. Now, you got to measure that up against the effective cap space as of today which is what a, a negative eight and a half. Right. So, yeah, so I did that. So when I did it, um, thanks to, thanks to Excel, when I can do it very easily. Um, if I, if you do those moves and figure it in Peter's extension, we'll leave Lamar out for a second, but Peter's extension, if that does save 5 million. So that's a, that's a big variable. The others are pretty easy. The others can be pretty set in stone. Um, again, Tavon would be a, you know, a variable too, but so if, if Peters is extended and then putting the, the, um, the offsets, uh, just using a round number of 900K, 
for each of the offset, offsets for the releases of uh, Villanueva, uh, Boykin, and, and Tavon, I come up with about $18.6 million in quote-unquote spendable money. If Peters isn't there, it's thirteen. Um, and of course, if you, you know, if Peters, um, it isn't extended and stays at 10. And of course, if Lamar gets a deal done, you can, you can take that up to about 28.6. So, I mean, there's some, there's some, you know, there's money there to make moves. Um, not, not a lot, but because you remember, you know, any, any big deal is coming with a, in a first year, five or $6 million, you know, cap number minor moves, um, you know, two or three, so, or mid or mid grade moves. So, I mean, there's certainly money there to, to spend. It's not huge. I mean, there are going to be other teams that are going to have a lot more for sure. Well, that pretty much does it, Brian. I mean, we've gone through them all. Is there any other way that they could create cap space that we haven't covered? Um, you know, I mean, it, it would be marginal. These are the, these are the bigger ticket items. Um, uh, trying to think um justin tucker you know extending him his uh, i believe his base salary is about three and a half million so they could drop that i mean it's only going to drop a million or so um but or they could restructure him as well um which again wouldn't bring a whole lot but i mean the extension would be better just because you got him locked up for longer i think he's got this year and next on his deal um so it might be time to get him done um yeah, that's it. Unfortunately, the way their cap is right now, and I expect it to look much better next year um, when I, when the cap, quote unquote, returns returns to normal, hopefully, um, you know, so but right now there's they still got they don't have a lot of options for um, other than Stanley and Zeitler and and uh, and Humphrey. They don't really have a lot of uh, other options to create a lot of cap space with with one move, one restructure. Um but so, and I don't, and there's really nobody else I would expect to be released um, that would create any kind of, of, you know, substantial cap save. Any other release is done because they don't want them anymore. <laughs> Not because they, uh, you know, and then, well, again, the other variable in this is what they do with, with Westry. I've got him in at the 2.4, you know, you could save another million or so with kind of, you know, paying him for less, or if they just decide, if they decide not to, uh, tender them at all, then, you know, you've got 2.4 there uh, extra. Well, there's not a whole lot of activity right now in terms of signing across the NFL. And I, I would think that as the March 16th date approaches, maybe we'll see some of that activity. But do you think that some of the Ravens own free agents, if there hasn't been a deal done by what date, do you think they just go to market? Yeah, I mean, I, I would think – I mean, I mean, of the of the big names, um, you know, uh, Ricard, Bozeman, um, I would think that they're going to hit the market at this point. Um, I, I think the only way they're back is if the market doesn't um, isn't what they expected. Um, uh, I would think if and I guess and you know, I think if Campbell hits the market, he's probably you know, he's probably in that boat too of, I mean, I, I think if there's a, if there's somebody re-signed of those three, certainly, if any of them are re-signed sooner, I would think um, Campbell's the, probably the most likely um, just because his deal isn't as big, you know, his deal is really a one-year deal and, you know, maybe a couple tacked on for uh, cap purposes, but not really anything beyond that. Um, the other 
or two are much bigger deals and, you know, I mean, longer term deals and, and bigger money. So, um, and then obviously I think there'll be some, some minor signings here and there. Some of your, um, I'm trying to think who would be a good example, but, you know, some of your guys um, that, oh, you know, one other name, um, and, and we've talked about him off air, so to speak, is, um, is Derek Wolf will be an interesting decision. Um, there's not, there's only 200,000 in cap savings if he's released. Um, that's why he's really not on this list, but he also is going to make 2 million in cash. I think it is, or is it three? Um, and, and I think that's a guy that they have, they may, they may decide that, you know what, again, it's a cash issue. It's not necessarily a, uh, um, uh, a cap issue, but if they don't want to pay him 2 million in cash, uh, if they don't think he's worth two million, it is two million. Um, if they're, if you know, if they don't feel that's uh, he's going to come back from his injury or whatever it might be, I could, you know, he's a guy they could release him. He just had surgery not that long ago, and it, you know, and he didn't play at all this year. So, I guess there's, I, I know sometimes there's reasons to delay surgeries, but you know, and it was it's pretty serious. It was a hip injury, so that may be somebody they may just think he's not going to be healthy enough. So we're going to save some money here. Um, and, and cut him, uh, even though it's not cap savings, it's, you know, do we want to pay him $2 million to potentially sit on IR again next year? Right. Uh, so that, that's probably, I don't know that that'd be a terrible surprise, so to speak, but, um, another guy they could look to ask for a pay cut, Nick Boyle, um, that depends on his health as well. Um, there, there might be some cap savings there. Um, his, his base salary is, is mostly guaranteed. Uh, for injury, but if he could pass a physical, that injury guarantee goes away, and then there's three million in cap savings there. So um, that, but that depends on you know whether he's fully recovered or not. Brian, as always, thank you for your time. This is great stuff, and I'm sure our listeners are going to be uh, anxious to share this information. So thanks everybody for listening. Brian, I will make the front office available each Wednesday from this point forward. But for your reminders, subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Twitter at Russell Street Report. Follow me at RSR Lombardi. And Brian can be found at Raven's Salary Cap. So enjoy the rest of your, your week, everybody.